If you're a California conservative, a libertarian, a moderate Democrat, believe in common sense, or just a sane person, this is the political podcast for you. It's the California Underground Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the California Underground. We have back here again tonight as part of our third legislative roundup. And this is why it's important to continually do these legislative roundups, because bills get introduced, bills die in committee. A lot of stuff happens between the time you hear about the news breaking on Fox News or OAN or Newsmax or whatever saying, California is so crazy, they're doing this bill. And then by the time it gets all the way to September, many of these bills actually just die out. They don't have the votes. Um, So Jonathan is back with us again. He's been our legislative roundup guy. Uh, He's also involved with reopen schools, uh, reopen California schools, right? Is that the full name? We're going to talk about another breaking story this week. Very interesting what the California Teachers Association was doing. Oppo research on people who were trying to reopen schools, a.k.a. they were looking into what parents were. Um, So we got a lot to talk about tonight. And as always, I have my uh, trusty co-host Cynthia with me as well. Um, And in the background is the other co-host, Winnie. So if you hear any barking or snoring or stuff like that, that's her. Um, But Jonathan, welcome back. How are you doing tonight? Good. Uh, thank you for having me. So it's busy, busy time of year. Uh, well, we, we have, you know, uh, what, 60 days now we have an election. So, uh, you know, I'm running for office for school board. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of people in my area, at least, uh, and I think across the state that are that are ramped up about the school board races. And so uh, just working with those folks is uh, keeping us busy. Awesome. And Cynthia, how are you doing? Doing great. Excited for this podcast. Glad to have Jonathan back. Very excited to see his candidacy for a school board race. I agree with him 100%. I think it's the year of the parents and it's the year families take back the education system. Awesome. So I guess we'll start off with the legislative roundup. Um, Were there any general thoughts? Let's just start there. Let's just do the bird's eye view of general thoughts going into this legislative session where we kind of ended up from the first time we did a legislative roundup to now. Um, cause I remember the first time we taught, we kind of talked about this, we really focused in on like the vaccine groups and like that group of bills that, that vaccine working group was really pushing, um, any general thoughts so far on what kind of transpired this legislative session? Oh uh, yeah. So, uh, the vaccine, yeah, as you mentioned, a lot of the bills we talked about last time on the vaccine work group, uh, were, were high, high focus, uh, just because they were pretty outrageous. Uh, the good news is uh, many of those bills uh, died uh, by the time we got to the end of the session. Uh, there's a few that kind of that went through and, and, and in that process maybe got watered down a little bit. Uh, and, and the vaccine work group bills were dubbed, I think, the biggest uh, losers uh, by some of the uh, politicos here in, in Sacramento uh, when they looked at these different packages, uh, just with how, how bad that did. Uh, so uh, it took a lot of work, though, amongst you know, a lot of people fighting these bills um it, it's really frustrating we're spending so much time fighting these bills that we don't even have an opportunity sometimes to fight for uh bills that would help make it a difference uh, in california mm. uh, just because things are pretty outrageous here but uh, it's the nature of of how what, what you know where we are um being in california um and that i would say that's uh, kind of my summary so one of the most popular i would say is like sb 866 was probably the most controversial and that died or I shouldn't say died. Senator Weiner, our our favorite, one of our favorite senators pulled that 
<laughs> bill at the last minute because I don't think he had the votes. He was seeing pictures, him running around the, the assembly, trying to get as many votes as possible in support. In the end, he didn't have enough support for it, so he ended up pulling it. Uh, yeah, SB 866 was uh, of the ones that were remaining by the time we got to the uh, the end of the session was the most controversial left in that. Um, I would say SB, I think it was 871. Uh, that one died pretty early. It didn't even it was clear it wasn't getting any support. Uh, multiple uh, legislators came out against 871 early, uh, and so there was a statement. I want to say uh, yeah, very early on uh, that one died. But yeah, 866 went through committee uh, on both chambers. It passed the Senate, uh, so it was supposed to go to the floor of the Assembly, and uh, we didn't think it had the votes. I was hearing it didn't have the votes. They amended it to say, well, firstly, 866 was a bill that would have uh, allowed uh, teens, originally as young as 12, uh, to get any vaccine without uh, parental consent. Uh, and it was touted that the COVID vaccine, right, which isn't even a, isn't authorized yet, it's emergency youth use authorization, uh, would be allowed. But I think there's some gray area there, uh, but that's how it was touted. Um, and at the time, right, there's uh, the way that the COVID vaccine was being administered it wasn't like a lot of other vaccines uh, where you might get them at your pediatrician's office where you're consulting with your pediatrician. I mean, they're, they're going to schools and they're having clinics and, and nursing students, brand new nursing students are able to do this. I mean, we hear stories about uh, kids who maybe have certain exemptions already because of their health conditions being offered bribes at school with pizza and being told forge parent signatures. So there's a, a very, you know, there's a lot of nervousness around that just, and also just the general parental rights uh, issues. Like, hey, if we're going to be going down this route, like what other things are we going to just say, hey, not only are we going to give 12-year-olds the ability to make consequential medical decisions, uh, but we're also in a situation where because it's medical, we have to keep it from, uh, we'll keep the, it's kept from the parents. And so there's a lot of concerns about parental rights. Uh, and even though he amended it and got it to move to age 15 uh, and up, it still didn't have the votes in the assembly and it never came up for a floor vote. Uh, and it died. Uh, Wiener was blaming, you know, MAGA Republicans and anti-vaxxers and called out some harassments, uh, harassment that was done to his office, which I do not agree with. Uh, I don't believe you should be, you know, being threatened with physical violence over this stuff. Uh, but he should be threatened to be uh, kicked out of office. I don't think that will happen <laughs> with him and where he's at, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, so that's, uh, but really it was just parents up in arms in all different groups. Uh, fighting. There really wasn't a special interest funding this. It was just, I would say, the most grassroots, uh, all these different uh, nonprofits that really didn't have uh, the funding that were fighting this, and they, they, in the end, they prevailed. And then what was SB 871? Uh, that was the, uh, SB 871 was the one that would require a COVID vaccine in order to go to school. And that one died too? That one died early on, yeah. That one clearly didn't have the votes, yeah. So how many of the vaccine, I'm looking at this article right now, um, would you say the, the vaccine group was successful this session or not as successful as their ambitions set out to be? Not not as successful. Like, like I said, they were dubbed the biggest losers uh, this legislative session because so many of the bills didn't make it. And of the ones that did make it, they were the least controversial uh, ones uh, or they're temporary. You know, so... You know, for example, I think 1479, that's the COVID testing bill that would require schools have a COVID testing plan in place. But it's not, it, it doesn't, it was watered down to the, to the extent that it doesn't require testing as much. 
uh, it was very clear that it doesn't require testing unless CDPH were to come in and, and, and say that you have to test, but they're not going to because the budget, one of the contingencies is that there's a budget for it. Uh, the federal government funds run out. Uh, the state budget is limited in this budget cycle. It now has an end date of three years, so it doesn't go on indefinitely. Um, and really, it's just a little bit of an administrative annoyance uh, you know, to have this testing plan, which will probably be uh, something similar to what it is now, which is we have free uh, antigen tests for people who have symptoms and they want to take one. I mean, that's probably the extent of what it's going to be. So it's going to be a reminder for the next three years, but not anything um, as worrisome as we thought it might have been uh, going in. So that was probably the next one that's kind of controversial that went through. There's a few other ones I think that we are on our agenda to talk about, um, you know, ones that, that relate to privacy, uh, you know, making it easier for schools to go in and without even your consent or, or medical providers to go in and put your child's uh, information into a, an online database. Uh, and, and you're automatically opted into it. You, you can't, uh, you'd have to go with the process and opt out. There's concerns that even after you opt out, is your information really you know, removed from that system? Uh, so huge privacy concerns there uh, for your kids and their medical history. Um, uh, but yeah, so there's, but, but by and large, the, they're the, the least controversial ones made it and the most controversial ones that we were hearing about uh, didn't make it. Uh, and and that kind of the stuff you talked about where California gets a lot of bad press for. Uh, and, uh, thank, and and luckily we did get bad press for it. I think that did help in defeating these bills. It's always interesting to see how these bills get introduced by, well, senators. I, I mean, Pan is, is termed out, so he was sort of, I feel like, the sacrificial lamb on this to just kind of put his name on everything and author everything and figure I'm just going out with a bang anyway. Uh, also, he's got other ambitions, uh, but you have a lot of these senators like Senator Pan, Senator Weiner, who push these radical bills and they sound really bad in the press and people say, oh, my gosh, California is trying to pass this bill. And then you're almost pleasantly surprised when it comes up to the end of the legislative session and then they don't have the votes and you go, huh. Maybe sanity did prevail on some of these. Maybe it was politics, maybe. Some people were getting, and you know, rightfully so, SB 866. I, I have, if I had a nickel for every time a parent sent me something about SB 866, I could buy myself a nice In N Out burger. But um, that's a, there's a lot of people who are really concerned with bills like that. Um, and I think there was a lot of outside pressure, and maybe moderate Democrats kind of said, it's not really worth it for me. I'm just going to stay away from these bills like that. Do you think? It, we always think of like the Democrats as one voting block, but you get to really see that it's not that way. There are different sections and moderate Democrats, correct? Uh, yes, and, and the different interest groups, right, that push it. Um, I, from what I hear, I, I don't think Pan is as liked in the assembly side. And I think a lot of people were frustrated that he was pushing these uh, controversial bills through and forcing some of these legislators to have to make the public decisions in some cases where they're running for other office, uh, whether it's supervisor or whether it's, uh, you know, maybe maybe they continue to have to run for assembly uh, and it just wasn't popular. And, and, and I can tell you, these offices of these legislators, they were blowing up over some of these bills. And, and they're probably like saying, Pan, why do you have to do this, right? Mm -hmm. Our entire office is swamped with these calls because of your bills, right? They don't call us over anything else. They call us over your bills. And uh, I don't think they liked him very much for that. Um, 
and, and, and so uh, to that end and, and to the credit of everyone calling in, um, I think they did take those moderate positions uh, and, and kind of break with some of these more radical uh, bills that we saw coming from Pam. Uh, we had a couple of uh, representatives even go out publicly on Twitter. There's a little bit of a, a spat between O'Donnell and Wiener even. Um, after, after Wiener said, uh, put out a statement that he says, we, we almost had the votes to, to and basically said, we almost had the votes. Uh, uh, O'Donnell requote tweeted him and said, uh, believe me, it wasn't even, even close. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, that, that was uh, quite entertaining to see. Yeah. So AB 2098, that was another controversial bill. Um, that's headed to Newsom's desk, isn't it? That's the one regarding doctors and the medical board. And if they're not, I don't know, the way they say it is if they're not, the 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 actual term is if they don't speak on what the scientific consensus is, they could be brought up against the boards and may lose their license. Yeah, that one was uh, very interesting uh, too. And a lot of, that one's pretty controversial as well. Although it's relating to just... Uh, a doctor's medical licenses. So if a doctor uh, tells their patient, hey, uh, I see that you're a 17-year-old male. Uh, you know, I don't recommend getting the second dose of uh, the COVID vaccine, for example. Um, or they say something, these with cloth masks are not effective. If you want them to be effective, you have to wear uh, a fitted N95 mask. Uh, and, it, you know, because you have facial hairs, you know, it's not going to work. So you got to have to shave your facial hair. Right. That may not that goes against, you know, the quote standard of care and the, the general consensus, which is coming from, you know, government run uh, and oftentimes partisans uh, running these state health departments uh, that you can then be disciplined by the medical board up to losing your license. Uh, and and what we've seen is that, you know, things that were standard, uh, you know, tr COVID truths uh, a year later were complete opposite. Uh, but yet someone could have lost, been disciplined, lost their license before that information comes out. And you'll have people afraid to speak up, uh, at least in California, uh, to tell their patients that. And so it's it's very uh, disheartening and scary uh, to see that uh, they're going to try to legislate so um, detailed over those conversations. Uh, prior to some of the amendments, it, was, it wasn't necessarily as bad or it was more gray. Uh, maybe that's why they wanted to clear it. it. It basically said gross negligence. So, you know, that might be like be like telling your patients to go use get you know go uh, have uh, get some leeches uh, to cure your COVID. Right? That would be an example of maybe some gross negligence that could cause harm. Uh, but if you're you know generally trying to help your patients and you do something maybe that's experimental or that's new or that you have a different opinion, uh, then you might have been okay and spared under that old language. Now, if it's not the mainstream. Uh, you're going to, you could be disciplined. Well, uh, was that story of those two doctors here in California who came out and they got enormous press because they came out and said, look, we've treated X and I forget what it specifically they said, which drug, and I don't want to get in trouble with YouTube for whatever drug it was, but let's just say it was one of the drugs that they were definitely saying, do not take. It's, it's not helpful at all. And they were saying, no, we're actually seeing like a good amount of recovery and even them just speaking out about that. They would have been disciplined. They probably would have lost their license by now under AB 2098. I don't know if it's retroactive. Maybe they go back and say they punish these doctors for speaking out, but they had so much press that they were kicked off all social media and they were basically like 
shunned from the public light because no one wants to talk about. But that's a perfect example of people who doctors who were talking out against the narrative or what the mainstream was and would be prime targets for losing their license or being brought up on disciplinary charges in front of the medical board in California. Uh, yeah, that's right. And, and the way the bills now is, I guess, publicly speaking, wouldn't have to be a patient of yours. But just like they were targeted on social media, you know that they're going to be targeted. So as soon as you make a statement publicly, they're going to go try to, to see if you have said anything to your patients at all. And they're still going to probably issue complaints against you. And even if you ultimately don't lose your license uh, from something like this or even discipline, just going through that process is annoying uh, and cumbersome and, and costly. And so, uh, yeah, it does. It is going to stifle free speech and 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 stifle scientific debate uh, on this issue. And just like any issue, you it's important to have healthy uh, disagreements over uh, either it's health, but it's medicine, health policy, science, what have you. We need to have those debates. And I think it's also important too. Like it's science, so when you find out new information, you're supposed to change your stance on it. Yeah. Right, and not be so ideological about it. Um, evidence-based, uh, you know, you, you use research, um, talk to each other, disagree with each other uh, on this stuff, um, not censor and cancel. Yeah. Like the way to combat these kinds of discussions is with free speech and this bill pretty much would, would trifle that. It would, it, it would cause a chilling effect. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it'd be like going back into like the middle ages and then if a doctor said, you know, I don't think we should be bloodletting with leeches. <laughs> and the scientific community said, well, that's not the mainstream. We love bloodletting with leeches, and therefore you're not allowed to practice anymore. It sounds ridiculous, but that's exactly what it would be. It'd be like, whatever the mainstream is now, 10 years from now, we could look back and go, man, we really push that? Like, that's in insane. But that's what California is looking to do right now is keep people in line and push the narrative. I love that. I love that example. <laughs> Just like smoking yeah, I mean, pregnant women, you know, uh, uh, 70 years ago. Yeah. It's like, uh, in Forrest Gump when the doctor rolls in and he's got a cigarette hanging out of his mouth and they don't see anything wrong with the fact that a doctor's smoking in front of you and nobody saw anything wrong with smoking. Um, any others of the vaccine working group that you can think of that either passed or failed? Um, before we move on to some other, uh, some other of these highlighted bills, I don't know, Cynthia. Do you have a? I think you had a couple on your list um, that you wanted to talk about. I think it was maybe fourteen, nineteen, and, and seventeen, uh, ninety-seven. Now, let me double check here. That we we may have actually talked about some of those uh, ones. I think seventeen ninety-seven is the bill that uh, changes some of the privacy standards. So yeah, and I, I think it might have died, too. I think 1797 went through. Um, but we're pulling up. We're finding out. Well, while we're waiting on the consensus, uh, in a little bit, we are going to talk about this uh, CTA spying on parents if you are listening. Also, if you're tuning in for the first time and you've never tuned in to California Underground, this is what we like to do on Thursday nights. We usually have a guest on. We get really blessed with our guests who come on. Jonathan's great. We have a lot of great guests. Um, so always tune in. Make sure you like, share, subscribe, review. 
all that hubbub, all that stuff that you hear every single influencer, everybody saying, smash that like button, comment for the algorithm, um, you know, send it to your mom who loves political stuff, send it to your grandparents who love political stuff. Um, you know, send them a card as well. They might miss you and they might want to hear from you after a while. So, you know, just, just think of them. So, uh, anyway. 1797, uh, did pass, uh, but it hasn't been sent to Newsom's desk yet. So, uh, I know that they're trying, there's, there's petitions trying to get him to, uh, veto that bill, just like there are in 2098, uh, 1479. They're trying to get him to veto that bill. Um, and I think was it SB 1479? Was that the last one, Cynthia? Yeah. SB. So while I look that up, a question. So while I look that up, Jonathan, do you think in general, because they're speaking of vetoes for, for Newsom, um, there was some bills where I guess sanity won. So like, for example, he did veto that uh, like open drug site bill. And I actually met with James Gallagher today. He did like a policy roundtable for the Lincoln Club in San Diego. So I actually asked him that same question. Like, were you surprised by some of these bills that Newsom vetoed? Or what are your thoughts on that? You know, uh, as we know, despite Newsom's claims, he plans on running for president. So uh, I think, you know, I'm not too surprised because imagine him signing that to law or letting it become into law. You could imagine the campaign commercials right now. Um, I would imagine 2098 is, AB 2098 is similar, maybe not as uh, controversial in that regard, but uh, you know that it's going to be used uh, against him in a commercial if he runs for president. So uh, especially if there is a doctor that is uh, disciplined for some of this stuff, that, you know, up until the 2024 elections. Uh, so I'm hopeful on 2098. I'm not optimistic, you know, not overly optimistic, but I think there's a decent chance he could uh, on that one. Uh, 1479. I think he's going to sign that one or just let it go into law. No, it's not as bad anymore. Uh, and and I don't. And he has a little bit more control over the policy on that one because he's not going to let CDPH mandate testing at schools. So then uh, we won't have to be dealing with that. Um, yep. But but yeah, I think you know twenty ninety eight. I, I think for seventeen ninety seven, he's going to probably let that uh, pass. I I don't think he's going to veto that one. Um, there's just not. Sort of, uh, I've, I've said this yesterday. Was the silver lining to uh gavin newsom running is that he he might actually moderate a lot of his positions yeah coming up 100%. over the next two or six years is he's going to veto a lot of bills that are very crazy so he's going to make an enemy out of scott weiner because scott weiner is going to be very upset with mm -hmm. a lot of the radical bills he tries to get passed and keep getting vetoed by newsom but i think that's one of the silver linings, I know it's politics, but hey, I'll take it. I'll take a moderate Newsom who's not trying to push every single radical agenda through. Well, I guess I guess lesson for us is, you know, we should always have a California governor running for president every time. And yeah, uh, we should be hoping that whoever gets in will be like, well, I hope they want to run for president because if they do, sooner or later, they're going to moderate their positions. They're not going to be crazy. Yes, exactly. Because the people in Iowa don't want to hear crazy stuff and they don't want open drug use sites and all that stuff. So definitely not going to work out. Um, did you find that bill, uh, Cynthia, or do you want me to hop on one of mine that I... You can I'm hop on to. one of yours. Yeah. Well, I brought this up with the last one because it was gutted and amended at the last minute after the Bruin decision. 
And we were kind of waiting up until the last minute to hear. And I was checking my Twitter until the end of the, the session. And SB918 is dead for the session, which was effectively. So if I can try and parse out what happened here, the Supreme Court ruled on Bruin. And Bruin basically said you don't need good cause for carrying conceal anymore. The current law as written requires that you, if you're going to get a carrying conceal in California, you need to pass a test that requires good cause. So currently the law on the books, which could create a whole fiasco with a lot of issues, is unconstitutional as written. So therefore it's almost it's void because it's unconstitutional. So they had to write a new bill that would replace this uh, law and be in line with Bruin. So it was in line with Bruin, but they added about 100 places that you could not carry and conceal in the state of California. And they included, uh, obviously, you couldn't go in churches, you couldn't go. Schools were already part of it, but the big thing was uh, private businesses. Couldn't go into any more private businesses unless they put a sign on the door that said, guns and carry are welcome, which good luck in California for anybody who wants to put that on their front door. Um, and the worst part is you can't be on the sidewalks or the parking lots adjacent to any of these sensitive places, meaning that you could basically carry your gun in your driveway to your car and then leave it in your car wherever you go. You wouldn't be able to carry it anywhere. Um, thankfully, it died. I don't know if they're going to try again. Uh, I feel like a lot of times these bills get a lot of political momentum because of what's going on because of the Bruin decision but they're going to have to one way or another they're going to have to fix the law as it is so there'll probably be another shot at it I don't know if it'll be as radical we'll see but until then for all those carrying conceal holders out there like myself we get to enjoy more places to carry and conceal we don't have to worry about that for several more months until they introduce more things so I'm happy SB918 is dead. Yeah, no, it was uh, quite surprising. And, and I, I don't know all the politics behind that one. Uh, I do know there was concern over that it would be challenged immediately and they would lose immediately. And then may, maybe that's part of it, right? Uh, it would just look bad. Uh, that they would create this law that would immediately be overturned uh, by a judge because it was just so, uh, in some ways, it was almost worse than the existing law uh, that was on the yeah. books. You know, I, I would, you know, the part I think it says it shall, uh, there's a shall in there. So in some counties where I'm at in Placer County, it's much easier to get a concealed carry uh, permit. But, you know, in San Francisco, what, there's like a dozen of pe dozen permits issued. That's all they have. Yeah, it's not that many. Right? Yeah, uh, it's a ridiculous number. And so uh, now they have to. Unvanta even put out a statement that says you have to basically let people get concealed carry uh, in these counties. Um and I think, yeah, 1908 was trying to fix that before. And I think they even had an urgency clause. That's part of the problem. Uh, that's what I heard, that it had an urgency clause to get it to go into effect immediately to stop, uh, I think, maybe some of these concealed carry permits from happening. And because they have that urgency clause, they needed to get, was it two-thirds, right, uh, of the votes? Yeah. And that caused the yeah. whole bill to fail. They easily had enough votes to overturn uh just to make it go in effect January 1st. So if they would have not been greedy and not have put in the urgency clause, they could have easily passed this thing and it would have been the law 
January 1st. Now, between now and January 1st, there have been a lot of people trying to get their concealed carry permits. Uh, but up until that, and they probably do some sort of delay to have that happen. Now they have to wait till next legislative session. It probably could pass, uh, but uh, it's going to be January 1st of 2024 uh, before uh, that would take effect. Yeah. So for, and as I tell everybody, go out and get them because you have this law in the books that is technically unconstitutional and they're shall issue. So go out and get those CCWs. And I agree. I think the law, even if it passed as is, if they just hit copy and just submitted the same exact bill, I think it would ultimately get overturned in court. It would get slapped down pretty quickly. I would venture to say even in the Ninth Circuit, it might actually get slapped down because it, it's so in direct conflict with the Supreme Court decision, um, which actually on a separate note, they did uh, a three panel judge or a three panel, three panel judge. Why does that sound weird? A panel of three judges on the Ninth Circuit did just overturn the 21 and under uh, rifle ban here in California. So you're going to start seeing a lot of these Second Amendment cases and Second Amendment issues in California, I think, start to fall under the Bruin decision. But that's a whole different uh, it's a whole different episode. But SB 918, it's dead for the session. Enjoy it. Go out and get those CCWs. Um, Cynthia? Yeah, so I think, so I did just kind of like a quick search on all the other ones that, because what I did was I looked at our last legislative roundup. Um, but yeah, I think the EB 2098 that probably will get signed into law by Newsom. EB 1797, they'll probably get signed. Um, SB 866, that was a win for parents. And then, yeah, I think the other ones, like they either didn't have the votes in committees or um, at the end of the session when they were trying to rush for those bills, they didn't really make it to the floor in the end. Um, so I thought we could transition to the two that Jonathan specifically wanted to go over. Um, one of them was SB 913. Um, and that had something to do with uh, Los Angeles uh, Unified School Districts. Um, Jonathan, if you wanted to yeah, let's talk over about, that. Let's talk about this one. Uh, so California Ed Code spells out how much school board members can get paid a month. And if you're a really small district, I want to say, I don't know exactly what the amount, but it's not very much, like $40 a month or something. Uh, and the maximum that you can get paid is $2,000 a month. And the way that they determine this, it's a schedule based off enrollment. So if you have more than, originally it was more than 400,000 students in your, in your district, then you can have, uh, you can get paid $2,000 a month. Uh, Right, it's not, that's that's what San Diego Unified gets paid. Uh, there, so I think that's about eighteen thousand a year, uh, or maybe two thousand. Yeah, I think it's, or twenty four thousand is what it would be. The next level is uh, San Diego Unified, and they get paid eighteen thousand, so fifteen hundred a month. Uh, where I'm at, you know, the school district has a little over ten thousand, so they can get paid four hundred dollars a month. There were some clauses in there that allows you to raise it five percent every year, but the board would have to, uh, you know, uh, make that decision. Now, this was on the book since 1979, at least. It may have been there prior. Uh, so those dollars today are worth, you know, those amounts, you know, if they were being uh, adjusted for inflation, it would be over four times the amount uh, that they are. Uh, so that'd still be quite a bit, right? Uh, but uh, a lot of school boards don't want to do that. They try to look at it as a volu completely voluntary position and almost like you're lucky if you get anything. 
But in LAUSD, uh, they were getting paid, I want to say like $40,000 uh, up until 2017. And then they put this compensation committee through the city and they said, you know what, actually, we think this the board member should get paid $125,000 a year. On top of that, they mind you, they have their own staff, right? I mean, the budget's huge for uh, the board. Uh, and so they've been getting paid $125,000 a year if they don't have any other jobs, uh, which is a complete violation of ed code. And they've been doing that for years. Uh, and I've been kind of hammering this as I kind of identify this, because I think I think some of these other board positions in smaller or, or medium-sized districts are too small. You're not getting enough, you know, candidates and parents want to say, you know, I'll do this. I'll go through the trouble uh, to sacrifice, you know, 10 hours a week or, or 15 hours a week uh, to do this because, um, you know, you might get, in, in some cases, you might get paid $40 a, a month for something like that. And, and you know, parents are busy. Um, we have, you know, obligations of our own. And so I think you need to fairly compensate to have qualified individuals run for some of these offices. But anyway, I had been hammering this. Uh, but LAUSD was seeing a problem. One is I think they potentially could be sued. And then two, their enrollment was declining below 400,000. Uh, they think by next year, they'll be under 400,000 students. So they get uh, Hertzberg to write a bill. Uh, well, they, I guess LAUSD wrote the bill. They sponsored it and Hertzberg introduced it. That does a couple of things. It, it, it keeps a bunch of other exemptions that LAUSD had, but it lowers that 400,000 threshold down to 250. Uh, for a lot of these exemptions, and it writes a brand new exemption. So instead of that schedule that I just talked about of how school board members get paid, if a school board has more than 250,000 students, then they can get paid via an alternative uh, method if it's done through some sort of, uh, like if it's recommended through the city or county, which is what LA did. So basically LAUSD wrote this bill to say uh, what we did is now going to be legal going forward, even though they violated the law for the last five, six years. Uh, it's going to be legal going forward. And they picked a number of 250,000 uh, that only applies to them and applies to them for, for quite some time, where San Diego Unified, I want to say, is 80,000 students. Uh, so this bill was specifically targeted towards LAUSD, written by LAUSD, giving them exemptions and allowing them to uh, get paid $125,000 a year when the next uh, closest pay schedule for a school board member is $18,000 a year. So okay. anyway, it's, it's something I think is kind of crazy. It didn't have much opposition. It kind of passed uh, all the way through all these committees. It was just seemed as like a fixing bill that was needed because LAUSD's enrollment was declining. That's how, kind of how it was sold. So it just passed, easily passed. And it wasn't until I was researching other bills that came up. I'm like, whoa, oh, all this thing I've been harping about now is going to change ed code. Uh, but it just shows you just, you know, I don't want to say corruption and just ridiculousness of these bills in California um, and how they're targeted towards special interest groups. Well, special interest groups have a lot to say with a lot of these bills. So that's not, yeah. especially when it comes to education, you know that firsthand. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, what's, what's next on the list we got? Yeah, just real quick. AB 20, was it, was, was it 2554? It was just going through all, my, all our text messages. It is AB twenty five eighty four. Eighty four, yes. Okay, yes. Uh, so that one was a bill that was introduced by the California School Board Association because they thought it was too easy to recall school board members, right? So they write this bill uh, that really effectively does nothing, uh, and then they tout it as 
a win for protecting school board members from being recalled. Um, and one of the key aspects in this bill was it raised the initial signatures for the notice of intention. So if you're trying to recall someone, you have to get certain citizens in the community to, to sign that says, we want to recall this person because they did these bad things. And then they have to uh, submit it. They got to post it publicly, I, I think in the, in the newspaper for 30, and has to be out there for 30 days or something like that. So it used to be you know, 10 to 20 signatures, depending on the size of the jurisdiction uh, with state law. They got that to be raised, I think, to uh, 30 to 50 signatures. I may be off on some of those numbers, but 50 was the max, right? I don't think it's still that hard to get 50 signatures of a notice of intention. Uh, but that's what they were saying. This is going to make it more difficult uh, for school board members to get recalled, uh, which is absurd because the, the the limits of getting someone recalled are still in place. So you still have to have anywhere, I think, from 30 to 15 percent of uh you know, registered voters in your district to recall someone. So, you know, if you're in a small district, I think it's 30%. And if you're in a larger district, it's 15%. So it still is going to take, you know, in many cases, thousands, uh, if not tens of thousands of voters uh, to sign these petitions to get these uh, school board members recalled. And maybe in cases like LAUSD, you might even need to have over 100,000 people uh, sign these recall petitions. And so uh, it didn't really do anything in that regard. Uh, and there's one area they could have fixed, which they chose not to, and that is if someone gets appointed, say there's a vacancy on a school board, if somebody gets appointed, uh, then uh, the, they, within 30 days or so, you can get just, in many cases, 200 signatures um, and get that person kicked off and then force the school district to have a special election, which could cost them tens of thousands of dollars. Um, they didn't address that loophole that only applies to school board appointments doesn't apply to any other appointment. We can't do that if the legislature, you know, the, on any kind of uh, appointments that Newsom does, uh, whether it's a, you know, a Senate appointment, whether it was uh, any kind of other vacancy that we have, uh, you know, just requires a small percent, like 2%. No, uh, only for school boards does this happen. It doesn't happen for city councils, doesn't happen for county supervisors, just school boards. They decided not to fix that one uh, that caused a, a special election down in San Diego. Actually, it was uh, San Diego, I believe it was. Um, Ty Humes was a school board member that was appointed. And mm. uh, Teachers Union, which may be a good segue to the next one, the, the local teachers union there, um, Sandy Guido, which happens to be the situation that we're at now, they went around and easily collected, you know, I think it was like 200 signatures uh, from the community and got him recalled and forced them to have a special election, costing the district tens of thousands of dollars. Um, anyway, it's just, it, it's just kind of another thing to CSBA not really understanding or either misrepresenting what they actually did. Um, they didn't really fix anything and pretending like they did. This wasn't in, sort of in reaction to or response to those San Francisco school board members being recalled, was it? Uh, excuse me there. Um, it kind of was, right? And that took a lot of effort. You know, um, mm -hmm. it did get done. It was, it was good. Those school board members needed to get recalled. But it wasn't easy. And, and so CSB writes this bill and acts like they made it harder for someone to get recalled. And it does absolutely nothing um, in that regard for, for them to get recalled. It's still just as easy if someone's appointed and it's still just as easy to get, uh, or just as hard, I guess, to get the number required signatures uh, for an elected uh, school board member. But yeah, it was in response to, I think, not just, not just there, but there was a small district that they, they were able to recall some school board members. Um, because if, if you do have it, if someone dumps money from outside, 
in some of these small school districts, you probably could do it because if you only have, you know, thousand voters there, right, you might have, that's only 300 signatures. Uh, yeah. It might be a lot for the community, but, you know, it'd be easy for some outsider to write a check to get 300 signatures. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, you mentioned a teacher's union as a good segue. Was that a segue to your next bill or the next story? Oh, the story, I don't know if we want, the, the CTA spying on parents, if we, if we wanted to talk uh, about Yeah, I, the, one, the one bill I wanted to talk about, and going back to uh, Newsom's push to become more of a moderate for the presidential election, uh, though he says he's not going to, um, was at Senate Bill 1338, which was to create his care court proposal, which was probably controversial. I, I would say it absolutely is controversial to a lot of civil rights advocates was this idea that um, they are going to bring back forced court ordered, whatever you want to call it, mental treatment for the homeless. Um, and the bill, as I understand it, basically gives you a choice, which is you can be criminally convicted or you can go to this mandatory treatment. Um, and that's one of their ways that they want to help clean up California is this care court. Michael Schellenberger says it's a knockoff of what he did, but worse, of course he did. Um, but I think it's interesting that he is doing something that actually is more stick than carrot in California that seems to love more carrot for those who commit crimes and those who are getting in trouble and for him to kind of put this hard line of, well, you either have to get treatment or you're going to go to jail because you can't, can't be out there and can't be doing all these crazy things. Um, so I'll be interested to see where this goes, if it does have an actual effect. Um, I don't think we're going to be going back to like the little white fans and the guys in the straight jackets kind of rounding people up, but um, it's, People are going to fight this and people are not going to be happy about it and we'll see where it goes and see if it's a success or if it's just pandering for the election to try and clean up the state. Yeah, I, I don't know too much about the details of the bill. Um, my understanding is it passed unanimously, uh, did not uh, in the legislature. Uh, let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. It doesn't say what it what the vote total was, but... Okay. Yeah, it's on his way to the de his desk. So, Got it. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. It, 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 I don't know. Again, like without the details, I, this, what I heard is that maybe some people worried uh, it didn't go far enough. Right, California has been moving this direction of removing those sticks, right? Of being able to t tell people that that need help, right? Uh, that to be able to give them that help and force them to get that help uh, because they're just they're they're removing. You know, you can't you can't. They, they could be camping out uh, and doing drugs in front of a school almost, uh, and you know your law enforcement's restricted from doing anything about it uh, because of the way the laws are written. So hopefully this brings us back in the right direction uh, yeah. in that regard, so we can you know have people get that help that they need and and really provide that stick to in order to make sure that they will decide to do that and, and get them on the right track. Um, but but yet yeah, we'll be it's yet to be seen um, how effective it will be and if we need to go even more in that direction. Um, if more details need to come out from it. Uh, but uh, it's definitely an issue that, that he needs to address because it's just getting incredibly bad in California. And the policies before were, uh, let's not do anything uh, to actually help homeless, but we'll continue to give money to 
uh, this homeless industrial complex that these people is making money off of the issue um, as opposed to fixing the issue. I mean, I would just like to not have to go take my dog for her morning walk and see a homeless person drop trow in a public park and take a dump. But, you know, that may be asking too much in California. So we'll see what happens. What was that story of the meth poop I saw going around on social media? <laughs> oh, my God. That dogs were getting sick because they were eating the poop of homeless people and it had meth remi- like meth residue in it. I think I think Wiener even tweeted about that being so, like like stop it you know that's you know stop spreading false news or something. <laughs> yeah, he's always he's like, always fast. If there's like, bad news about San Francisco, he's like stop spreading it. It's bad. It's it's fake news. It's just all you like right wingers. He always blames like right wingers, and it's like how many right wingers do you think are in California that are actually doing this? They make it sound yeah. like. like like they're everywhere, but they're, they're not. I don't know. Yeah, they always they always tell that they're the majority, right? And then when something wrong, bad happens, they're like, oh, it's the Republicans. It's their fault, even though we're outnumbered. I don't know. Like, if, if any of the viewers are on TikTok, you should follow Scott Wiener on TikTok. It's a pretty phenomenal. I know I, I, I took the, Phil the down. Did you video of him today? Did you send me the video of him doing that walk? Of him, yeah. like, his sassy walk that he was doing or something? I didn't send I didn't send that video, but I I was or actually no I did the one that the one where he's walking in high heels. Well, was he in high heels? I just saw him holding glasses and doing like a sassy walk down some steps. Okay, if, like, maybe that was when right wingers that... are like attacking you, and he's like, "Oh yeah," and they're jealous. No, that was a TikTok he posted today or recently. But I know that I was the one that sent you like the first video he posted. As so, Jonathan, I don't know if you're on TikTok, but he literally it's a video of him walking on the sidewalk with a friend with a bike and he's wearing high heels and he's like sorry we're gonna go on a rabbit hole <laughs> i'm not on tiktok and you're reinforcing uh uh good reasons why i'm not on tiktok <laughs> i no, you know covid changed my mind about tiktok all i get are uh dog videos and cooking videos that's basically all I get. I don't get the the twerking or anything like that. I don't get any of the, the dances. You don't get, I don't get uh, any of the get, thirst traps. You don't, get, you don't get wiener and high heels. Unless you're I six seven and have walked downhill in four inch heels, you're not allowed to comment. And it's Is literally that actually it's, him walking yeah. down. Yeah, it's him walking. I remember I t- I remember I texted you that and then you like drop and then I think you followed him after that. But it's just it's too good. Too good. Uh, Scott Weiner. He'll provide at least how many more years of entertainment and content. Um, all right. Any more bills? Or do we want to hop on to the next topic uh, that Jonathan was at the middle of big breaking news this week that I thought was really fascinating. Sharon McKinnon of Let Them Breathe actually shared it with me. That was the first I heard of it. Um, so, Jonathan, do you want to let us know what happened this week? And um, yeah. Tell I us mean, all about, you know, spill the beans. What <laughs> happened this week? What's the scandal? Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. So uh, let's, let's go back to April of, uh, you know, spring of 2021. Uh, what was happening? Uh, schools were just beginning to open up. Uh, and it was because of the efforts of parents down in San Diego. Uh, there was uh, in the North County there. Uh, they sued their school district. They sued Governor Newsom over the rules, uh, some of the arbitrary COVID rules. 
uh, because their schools weren't opening um, and, and they couldn't open full time. And so part of it was the state. Some of it was their local uh, school district refusing to open. And we have a situation here at San Diego, which is the same school district I mentioned earlier, uh, where they recalled that school board member over just 200 signatures uh, that was appointed. Uh, so in that school district, uh, they, uh, uh, like I said, they had to sue their school district there, and they, 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 they won. And so uh, the CTA, um, oh, that, let's take a step back, sorry. That same union sued in December to keep their school district closed. The school district, because of parents, were going to open in January, and the school district was like, oh, no, no, or the, the, the teachers union were like, no, 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 we can't do this. And they sued, uh, CTA helped them out, and they sued to keep schools closed for another three months. So then parents sued one, right? They got schools open. Well, uh, there's this weird, uh, it's, um, there is this, in the CTA in particular, they believe that all these parents that were coming together to fight for their kids to have uh, an in-person education, it was due to some sort of conspiracy, that there's some right-wing dark money out there uh, coming in and funding these groups, they're dark groups, and they're, and they're taking all this loss. So the CTA... Uh, which we find out through these emails, was researching various parent groups. And in this email, this is an email from Ann Swinburne, a researcher for CTA, uh, sent an email. Um, she got the information because of connections that were made through this, this lawsuit earlier uh, at San Diego uh, from the CTA lawyer. And he knows that there's these, this, this, these other parents that have dirt on other parents, um, which let me go tangential here. You know, the way that some of these, the CTA operates and some of these other uh, local unions that are involved with CTA is they have these uh, front, these parent groups that are just aligned with them. So anytime that there's an issue that the union uh, wants to push, their CTA is pushing, they'll contact these groups that are maybe they're part of PTA or they're just involved with the politics of everything that goes on there. Um, and then they have a, that way they have a parent voice that can represent one side of it that represents their views. Uh, so we see how they operate. They had large funds, different networks, and so it's just projection onto these other parent groups. So, well, if they were doing this, because we do these things, they must be doing this. Uh, and uh, they sent this email saying, hey, uh, we're researching all these different parent groups. Um, and they mentioned parent association by name, and they were trying to figure information out about this group. And so uh, a couple exchanges happen. They take talk about what they're doing, why they're doing it, and then they accidentally – uh, someone accidentally CCs the principal. Um, his name is Adam. One of these other parents' names was Adam. Gets mixed up in it and sends it to the principal. Um, and then they start freaking out. They're like, uh-oh, uh, do we need to do any damage control? Um, and they're like, well, maybe, can, you know, you, you have a relationship with him. Can you ask him to delete it? So um, then they loop the principal back in and says, he's so busy. I and she actually sends it directly to him. He's so busy, I think he will delete it. Right, alluding that he's going to do it. Right. Well, you know, now through a public records request, through something unrelated, this comes up. Um, and uh, as you can imagine, uh, some of these parents were shocked. Um, it was shared, uh, I, I want to say, like on Friday or Thursday of last week on uh, a private Facebook group, uh, at which then at that point it was shared with me. And I'm like, what? I think it was like on the weekend that I saw it. I'm like, this, this is what we've been thinking this whole time that the CTA is spending their time doing is, is going after these parents. We see it in our comments. We see it on social media. And now we have evidence that the CTA was funding opposition research on parents that simply wanted to get their schools open. 
Um, and so I knew it was going to be big. I, I kind of I wanted to make sure I got all the facts right. I got uh, the I got the information from the public records request. I redacted emails of everybody that wasn't a government official um, because I didn't want, you know, even though you could probably find it, I didn't want Twitter to flag me and take it down as we saw today, I think with Jay Bhattachari uh, on, on his uh, post on some other criticism of a journalist, right? That's beside the point. But I, you know, did that, made sure I got the facts right, posted it, and sure enough, it goes crazy and, and National News picked it up. It was uh, Fox, Federalist, Daily Caller, Daily Wire, um, I think the next day after Fox published it, or, or that same day Fox published it, it was just all like, not wall-to-wall -wall coverage, but every hour Fox was picking it up and talking about it. So, I mean, it's obvious I feel like this, was this a shock that they were doing this? Or do you feel like you knew all along that the CTA was doing stuff like this behind the curtain when it comes to opposition research or looking into parents or... Um, do you, were you kind of shocked that this was the level, the, the, how low they would go on this? I was shocked we had it in writing, um, mm -hmm. but I wasn't shocked that it was being done. Uh, we'd seen that the CTA and, and, and UTLA is one of the, uh, most, one of the uh, California uh, Federation of Teachers side. So those are powerful state unions. Uh, it's not surprising at all. And I guess my message is that, you know, this is how the money is being spent. It's not being spent on better policies for first for teachers, right, is what you think it should be. Uh, one of the things that's being spent is to con is researching your constituents, essentially, uh, and spending money going after them, trying to dig dirt. Um, and uh, and so it didn't surprise us because we've seen it. We saw the effect of it. We, we thought it was the case. Um, and now, now we just see it in writing. Uh, it's around the same time in March of 21, uh, something similar happened. So parents were rallying in, in LA to try to get schools to reopen and people were quoted in the media. And so UTLA funded a researcher, uh, a contractor to try to, to find out more information on who these people were that being, were being quoted in the media. And their, their whole goal in that was to paint the people who wanted, they, they were, this thesis was, if you wanted open schools, you're racist, you're white, you're white, you're white, uh, white nationalist and you're a bigot. That's kind of the message they're trying to sell. So they're trying to get research on who it was uh, that was ultimately quoted here. They wanted to get the ethnicities and the, the financial background. Like, are you well off? Are you rich? Like, are you a rich white parent? Or are you, you know, uh, you know, maybe poor or maybe you're, uh, you know, black or uh, Latino. So they were, they were trying to say, like, trying to paint this picture of rich white parents. So they went after this professor who was Middle Eastern um, and and they, they that's ultimately that's how we got this information was because this researcher kind of spelled out the goal of the research too clearly to this parent that was quoted uh and so we saw evidence of it back then that utla was doing it right but we thought well that's just maybe that's just utla we know utla is very radical they were responsible for school closures you know we have the the, the teachers union president there she was saying things like well I'll, you know i'm paraphrasing here but you know our babies may not i may not have learned their they're ABCs, but at least they know the, the you know, uh, you know, protest and coup. And just like we turn, we, we turn our kids into radicals. We're not teaching them actually, you know, reading, writing, and arithmetic, but we're, we're letting them be good radicals. And, um, and so we saw that there, but we didn't necessarily know for sure that CTA was doing it, which is larger. But sure enough, that's what the, that's what your union does for the, any teachers that are listening. Uh, that's what you're, you're funding. And so if you're upset with it, which I imagine you are, uh, the way that you can do that is opt out of 
of the CTA. Uh, you don't have to give them your money. Um, a Supreme Court decision, uh, Janice, uh, I don't know who the other side of it, but Janice was the side petitioning, uh, was able to win, and you can opt out of the union. You do not have to be part of it. And so you do not have to give your money to these political operatives uh, who are spending it you know, on issues that you maybe don't care about or, or disagree with, um, and on opposition research on the parents of the families that you're there to serve. Is that technically a dossier? I mean, I guess you'd see if they have individual files. I know that the ones in, in LA probably were that case. They probably had files on them. Uh, we joke that some of us parents that have been active for a while, they, pro they probably have files on us as well. I, you know, I'd like to see that, right? Can you give me my file? I'd like to know what's in it. Um, I, and at the same time, I was getting threats online, like just crazy stuff. But people assumed that I was funded by some dark money. They were doing these weird web, I, I don't know what they're called, but they would run like um, my social media into this uh, sort of diagram. And it would show that like, because of people who retweeted me, it was this, this weird thing. Like it showed like all these webs, like a spider web of how, how I was connected to. And therefore that, that was like evidence that it was um, part of some dark wing, dark, you know, right wing dark, you know, entity. Uh, and really I was just a front group, you know, and she was constantly going on for months about how, oh, she has the receipts and she's going to dig up and she, oh, I'm going to be doomed when I'm, you know, when she's done with me and like all this nonsense. And I was just laughing that she must have had this biggest crush on me or something. So, but, so look, it's uh, just because she probably wants to date you. So exactly, exactly. She words of AOC. And I don't Ooh. remember her name, um, but you know, if she ever watches this, uh, I know you wanted to date me. <laughs> but unfortunately, you can't date her. So sorry. No, sorry, Thanks. sorry. Bye. I am a married man. Um, yeah. Sorry to disappoint you. And, and, and you have a cute little marshmallow. Things. I do. I do. Three uh, three and a half months old. So does anything come out of this, do you think, for the CTA, or is it just a, a blemish on their record, or do you well, think they're I mean, not responding you can't to media. Right they're not responding to media, and Swinburne, this researcher, which I'm now hearing because people are bringing it to my attention, is pretty radical. Um, she's some pretty crazy stuff on social media. She locked all of her social media accounts, and then she later deleted her Twitter account. Um, I'd love to be a fly in the wall for those conversations at CTA headquarters, CTA headquarters. Uh, but I, you know, they're not going to respond. They're not going to put out a statement, right? Cause they'll just draw more attention to this. Uh, but I think what it does do is it damages their reputation. And I'm hoping that teachers see this and say, this yeah. is the organization that I'm supporting with my, with these union dues of almost a thousand dollars a year. Like, no, I'm done with this. I'm going to end my membership and I'm going to not give my money to an organization that ultimately hurts uh, our profession's reputation and hurts our families. Um, so, you know, I think they'll probably do damage control. Maybe they'll, maybe C, maybe CTA will try to do some sort of fake parent outreach to um, uh, to make it seem like they're you know trying to fix their image. Who knows? Maybe they'll actually do real outreach. Who knows? Uh, but uh, we'll see. I think it, I think at this point it's probably just going to be a, a pretty big knock uh, and a pretty big blemish. So, if anything else, it's more of a fear victory of we were proven right we knew that they were doing dirty stuff on us it's it you know just throw it on the pile of stuff that people who were called fringe extremists for two years are now yeah. being proven right on it's just the pile keeps getting bigger and bigger yeah um so that's basically where we're at is that we knew yeah. the cta was working behind the scenes and they yeah. were spying or doing oppo research on people to figure out what's going on and 
who they were, who was funding them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And education's big in the news cycle right now. We just saw the test scores and, and there's where this weird part where people are now recognizing how bad the school closures were. And, and now you have the very same people that were either advocating for schools to close or censoring people who are trying to get schools to open coming out and saying, uh, recognizing this and then trying to blame uh, Trump for some reason uh, on this or trying to blame Republicans, right? Even though it was, it was people like, you know, Trump in 20, July of 2020 said uh, schools should open and that's really all you needed to do. We knew it was safe at that time, uh, but somehow they're trying to blame him for that. In many ways, maybe they, maybe he is to blame because uh, a lot of people in these blue areas had Trump derangement syndrome. And so the moment that Trump took that position, they had to take the opposite position and uh, keep schools closed. But we saw DeSantis open schools up in Florida we, we just fine. And other other red states, they were doing just fine. Um, there are some blue cities within red states that weren't, but overall the states were fine. And uh, But not here in California. And uh, we now have some sort of re- revisionism going on where they're acting like it was the prior administration uh, that did it. And it was it was us, us Demo- you know, the Democrats speaking here. It was us Democrats uh, that got schools open uh, and trying to blame Trump and the Republicans. It's pretty, pretty... Uh, sad and i don't think anyone's buying it uh but of course we're going you know into an election year and uh the polling must show how bad this issue is and they have to try to change uh history so speaking of gaslighting yeah yeah so speaking of elections because we are coming up on the hour um as you mentioned earlier um you announced your candidacy to run for school board so since we're on this topic of like gaslighting um well it's on twitter people follow you do you have any update about um, what's going on with the Sacramento Bee? Um, and then maybe give a background to the to the audience too. Like, yeah, I thought you were going to kind of lead into that, Cynthia. They're going to say, "Well, we know you've announced your candidacy." And speaking of gaslighting, how's your candidacy going? <laughs> yeah, your- like where are you going with this, <laughs> Jonathan? No. How's it going over there with the gaslighting? <laughs> no, no. Um, yeah, so for those who don't know, the sec bee, and sorry, I have the, the, the dogs here barking in the background. Uh, one second here. So, um, yeah, so the sec bee is, uh, there's sec bee and there's the sec bee editorial board. So I want to make sure this is distinguished because I don't want to just, you know, people do disagree with the sac bee in general. I don't want to put the sac bee journalists in this category. But we have the SACB editorial board that has attacked our politicians here in Placer County, gone after school board members, gone after Placer County supervisors, gone after business owners that took a position that, hey, we should be open, um, target them, write nasty things about them, false things about them. And then after this editorial board, this one journalist in particular, uh, does this, she then blocks them on Twitter. She's blocked reopen California schools on Twitter, right? So... Um, the SACB editorial board has refused to even uh, consider an endorsement for or have an endorsement meeting for the most consequential education office uh, race, uh, the state superintendent of public instruction. They're not doing that. Um, they're not doing any other uh, school board races in our area. And we have dozens of school board races, money, uh, and some of which are much larger than the school district that I'm running in. Uh, but no, there's two districts that they want to have endorsement meetings for. Uh, the district that I'm running, Roseville City School District, and Rockland Unified School District. Now, what do those two school districts have in common? Well, uh, they either have someone, they, they have two people running that have been the most vocal, uh, one of the most vocal people about getting our schools to reopen. 
Um, and, and that's the, that's it. That's what we have in common. Um, she's not interested in the school districts next door that, you know, might have four times as many students uh, that has, you know, might be pretty consequential because they have expanded seats. No, just our races. And so uh, I get an email from the same journalist that blocked me on Twitter inviting me to this endorsement meeting. Um, I've now received an email from her boss, uh, the editor for the editorial board. Uh, I need to get back to him. Um, but I'm going to ask him a couple questions like, why do you think uh, this could be impartial if she's blocked people on Twitter uh, and already has shown uh, how she feels about uh, some of the positions we've taken? Um, why are you only focused on our races and not even the state superintendent's race? Um, you know, so I'll just be asking a couple questions about that and see what he says before I make my ultimate decision. So, but yeah, it's just, it's just funny. Um, Kevin Kiley has put out a state, they, Kevin Kiley, Joe Patterson up here, they refused to, to even participate just because of uh, the attacks uh, that this particular board, and and frankly, they've, they've become um, uh, irrelevant. Um, you know, everyone up here knows uh, they're just, even even people on, uh, on their side, I think recognize uh, who they are and what they are. So, uh, if, honestly, if I would have gotten an endorsement from them, uh, I think people would be questioning, uh, some of my supporters might be questioning uh, who I am and what I stand for. Uh, so um, it is quite an interesting situation. Mm -hmm. Well, more political drama and, yeah, you know, it's, uh, I don't, it would, but the gaslighting though, I think I'm keep going back to that and the gaslighting of, of Jonathan and his, and his candidacy. Um, but let's, let's kind of shift real quick before we sign off, because I do want to give you a chance to talk about, <clears throat> sorry. Um, and I think there was a chain reaction between my dog barking and then setting off your dog's barking. So I think it was a, a big bark <laughs> chain from one end of California to the other. Um, but before we sign off, I, I want to sort of let people know what you're doing, which is running for school board. And maybe you can, Tell people why you're running, what your goal is. I mean, we've already just gone over what's wrong with education. There's a lot of stuff wrong with education in California. Test scores are down. Uh, you have the CTA who is spying on parents. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. And um, tell us about your goals and why you want to make an impact through the school board um, and yeah. why you're running. Yeah. So I'm um, obviously the the very traditional things, right? We want good curriculum, we want safe schools, we want normalcy for our kids uh, and our staff uh, at schools. Uh, but I would say some of the extra pieces that that maybe we don't, don't get talked about as much, uh, and which is a passion of mine, is how do we fight back on the state in many cases? How do we work together with other local jurisdictions, including other school boards, uh, to come together to, to either uh, speak at the Capitol against right resolutions against bills, uh, fight these bills because uh, we can't you know we continue to get that hand of these policies from the state that are so damaging and destructive and or at least annoying uh, to our school districts and our administrators and our teachers so how do we work together uh, to do that uh, so that's I think more of a maybe a non uh, an uncommon thing that I'd like to achieve the other thing which I, I just put out on uh, my social media uh, two days ago you know I, I did I did put it out in advance knowing this story was going we had was going to come because I did just get here about it, but um, our teachers were great at reopening schools where I was at. Uh, they're not very well represented by the California Teachers Association. I would like to see 
our our teachers uh, disassociate from the California Teachers Association. They can save themselves a thousand dollars a year, and uh, they can feel good about it by not sending their money uh, to an organization that harm aspect of uh, something that I'd like to change. And again, just you know, going back to uh, curriculum issues, uh, just want to make Make sure that you know again class to fight you know to fight uh you know make sure we're following them um but we're not uh uh but you know not going as radical as some of these other school districts or what the california department of education is doing on uh we could come together and we might actually be able to form something in a cost-effective way uh by working with these districts uh and working at the county level or maybe uh, you know across a couple of different counties in our area so those are some of the goals that i have um i did i was uh, showing cynthia earlier i did get my walk piece today Right here, so just showing her. So it's pretty good. I got uh, some. This is the back here. I got Kevin Kylie's endorsement, uh, Heidi Hall's endorsement. Uh, wonderful people. Uh, really appreciative of, of their support. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to winning this race uh, and having a seat on us uh, the school board. You're kind of awesome. breaking up, and I was thinking like, oh, the CTA is spying on you. Yeah, <laughs> the they're already breaking into the transmission. That's right. They're they're on this connection, right? Probably, yeah. I, you know, who knows? They, I, I hear in, in some races, people have been followed, uh, you know, home and all this stuff because, uh, well, they want to find out, do you really live in the district? I, I think that'd be absurd at this point to think that I don't live in the district. But um, it's pretty insane about these, these very local date races, how much effort uh, the CTA might put into fighting a candidate. Um, and uh, you're going to hear some, there's going to be some local news there in San Diego you might hear soon. Uh, there might be some news up here, but there's some active, same kind of uh, politicking happening where they're they're deathly afraid. The CTA is deathly afraid that uh, candidates like myself are going to get elected uh, is what we're seeing. And uh, it's showing through their actions um, and hopefully their tactics uh, actually bite themselves uh, because uh, it'll kick themselves because it, it, it's going to it's going to hurt them, I think, in the end when we uh, see this come out. Yeah. And, and like I say, always people want to figure out how they can make a difference or they think it's too hard or they're like, oh, I don't know what to do. I'm like, they always need someone on school board, you know, and I think school board's one of those positions that people kind of, they kind of gloss over. They think it's not that big of a deal. It's a big deal after two years and you saw what happened in California mm -hmm. with schools being closed and your and kids' education suffering, and um, it's a huge impact on your life and your kids' life. Nope, yep, and even if you don't have kids, uh, property values, uh, it can impact your property values if you don't have good schools. Uh, if you don't have a fiscally responsible school district, uh, next thing you know, you're going to be facing bond measure after bond measure uh, to raise your taxes um, to pay for their um, fiscal you know, uh, malfeasance. And uh, so it matters. It really does matter in many cases. It, it, you know, it, we don't have a lot of say, frankly, at the state level. And depending on these ultra blue areas, you know, if you have someone incumbent in, they're going to stay in. Um, you're right. If you have a lot more say and influence over local politics uh, than you think. And so school board is definitely something to get involved in and pay attention to. And if you want to find out more about me or to support me, uh, you can go to Zacherson.com, Z-A-C-H-R-E-S-O-N.com. I have about me and I do have a donate button in case you feel so good. Damn you. You took my line for me. <laughs>
That was going to be my next point. Was it? Okay. You said it again. You can reiterate the. Uh... <laughs> I was going to go into my whole like closing spiel. Thanks for coming on. Blah, blah, blah. Where can we find everybody? You know, I do that at the end of every show. But, you know, Sorry. I guess uh, take it away, Jonathan. Why don't you just take us out? <laughs> take us out. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, you can find me uh, at, at Jay Zacherson uh, on Twitter. Same thing with uh, Facebook. It's just think at Zacherson. Uh, I do have Instagram now. Um, you know, it's just reposting, I think, what I say on Facebook. But uh, you find me there uh, and my website, again, Zacherson.com. So, hey, you know, when you're running for office, uh, you, you, uh, you I, got, I got these things, these things add up, right? These signs, I got, I got yard signs, uh, yeah. you know, those things add up. So uh, I'm, I'm getting less and less shy about ask, asking for contributions uh, because they're necessary to be successful in a campaign. So um, maybe that's why I jumped the gun there a little bit. You were very anxious to ask for it. <laughs> I've talked to plenty of candidates um, who say the same thing. They don't. People think mailers are cheap and walk. It's not those materials are not no. cheap, and they no. are crucial to winning. Though um, you know, not just having a hundred thousand followers on Instagram is not going to win you elections. Uh, so for all those people who think social media influencers are going to win elections, that's not how it works. You have to get out. You have to do the ground game. You have to do the mailers. You have to get your name out there and that costs a lot of money. So if you want to help out, if you're listening, you want to listen to someone who is going to be a great candidate for school board, knows a lot about education. Maybe someday he'll move up the ranks more in education in California. We can only hope. Um, go check out Jonathan's site. So um, now I'll kick it over to Cynthia. Cynthia, where can people find you and your your thoughts and everything that's going on? You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. You can just search me up as uh, Cynthia Cowie. So it's C-Y-N-T-H-I-A. And then my last name is Cowie, K-A-U-I. Cynthia is a savage on Twitter, so she's a good follow. If you want all her, her savage takes on everything, just go follow her on Twitter. She is. Um, I'm fiery, but mostly And apparently peaceful. she's... <laughs> oh, go ahead. What about your TikTok? I'm on TikTok too. <laughs> oh, she's on TikTok as well. So go follow her over there. Um, and to everyone who tuned in tonight, I'll play us out. It's okay, Jonathan. I won't put you on the spot. Um, for everyone who was listening tonight, as always, like I say, if you like this show, make sure you like, share, subscribe, review. If you're watching on YouTube, leave a like and a comment. Helps for the algorithm. And as always, if you like this show, tell one person. That always helps. Tell one person, see if they like it. And spread it around because the more people who listen you people think that these kind of conversations are important in california and you would think more people should be listening to them and experiencing them send them to this show um so with that uh thanks for tuning in stay cool everybody have a good night Thank you for listening to another episode of California Underground. If you like what you heard, remember to subscribe, like, and review it. And follow California Underground on social media for updates as to when new episodes are available. 